Thursday is the new Wednesday. Right? This is like the day that you can chill out and think you only have two more days of work before your weekend. How files are growing large and no matter how big your cell phone is, it always seems to run out of space. It used to be that Twitter was the place to get sort of uh, miffed at all the things going on in the world. But now it seems to be happening on Chinese expat blogs. Why? China beats COVID? Uh, finally. Planning that trip to Hong Kong. Still watching that traffic documentary. As much as it's worrisome, it's a little bit inspiring. Thursday, February 16th, 2023. I'm Steven Sersky. Hope you are doing well. And for those of you who don't don't know who I am, I'm a I'm I'm an English teacher. Well, ish. I'm a language consultant, as they call me. In Beijing, China, and this is, uh, so I've been here for quite a while. I've survived the whole gauntlet that was COVID, that is COVID. Oh, no, COVID's over now, it's done. Um, they uh, they officially announced the ending, I think it was just today, that uh, they've uh, achieved a decisive victory over the coronavirus. I don't know why all of a sudden it's been declared that, um, considering, I mean, I guess they have been, for the last three months, uh, sort of wrapping up every all the loose ends of the uh, never-ending, the seemingly never-ending pandemic, and uh, yeah, I guess we're back to normal, right? <laughs> all's good, all's good. Actually, one thing I've noticed over the last since just before Spring Festival is the return of smog to Beijing. This has been this wasn't very common uh, up until just recently, like uh, actually up until. Probably la- like the the elections uh, here in in China, <laughs> if we want to call them that, the gatherings and the dictations of who is going to be the leader. Uh, but uh, up up until that point, like the airs the air had been rather clean. Recently, though, over the last couple of months, I've it just seems that there are more smoggy days in Beijing, and not like. Um, car smog. We're talking like this is the coal dust. Uh, I guess some people would call it burning bodies because of all the crematoriums that are working overtime. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is that the factories are opening up again. Uh, And I do know that Shijiazhuang, which is about an hour and a half by high-speed train south of Beijing, is pretty much always smoggy. But uh, they've been smoggy even more. So it's continually smoggy in in Shijiazhuang. Beijing seems to be getting more. So who I, I don't know what exactly is going on. Uh, are they um, I'm not sure if it's the bodies is it, is it the farmers burn it doesn't smell like uh, agricultural burning like so what the what would happen is that the uh, the farmers would burn last year's crops or like uh, all the detritus that's left on the uh, the fields that uh, you know to make way for uh, the new crop. Typically, that would happen. I don't know. Do they do that? Uh, yeah, I guess they do it uh, just before seeding, uh, and so that would start right around now, sort of thing. Uh, but uh, or is it like that the coal dust, or is it the factories? I don't know. I mean, this is sort of something that uh, makes me kind of wonder. It has been. It was cold up until about well spring festival, and it sort of changed again. Even though we did get uh, snow, uh, it's uh, been it's been warmed up. January was cold, so that sort of ex- I don't know. Could you say it excused the coal dust in the air in January? But now in mid February, why are we still getting smog days? Hmm. It's making running outside 
a little bit more difficult, a little bit more, hmm, should I do that today? Um, but uh, all that being said, uh, so it seems like China has beaten COVID. There's this uh, article uh, today in one of the uh, expat, uh, China's central authorities declare decisive victory over COVID. There you go. So it's all over. Uh, we're, we're done, right? Um, they said Thursday, that's today, I think, uh, that uh, they've, you know, they've achieved a decisive victory over COVID as its death toll drops sharply. Interesting. Okay. Uh, adjustment controls since November. Oh, look at that. these brilliant, brilliant uh, commanders. A meeting of the Politburo Standing Community Committee said that the Communist Party's judgment policies and adjustment of COVID controls since November have been totally right, in quotation marks, according to China's state television. The public would agree with the conclusion, the report said. Yes, <laughs> we do. All right, well, anyway, enough of that uh, reading. So all, all, all that means is that uh, things are opening up, and this also means that planning this trip to Hong Kong, I don't have to make contingencies for us, uh, you know, being trapped outside of the country again. By us, I mean me. Um, getting trapped outside of the country or trapped in Hong Kong, not a bad place to be trapped. Uh, but uh, it looks like it is open, which kind of makes me go, well, so where now? The sad part is that with the opening up, means that work is now busy again. And given that we've endured three years of, like, paltry returns, you kind of want to put the time in to make the money back sort of thing, since we are paid mostly uh, piece by piece. Uh, but uh, actually, the one thing that sort of has uh, struck me, uh, popped into my mind over the last little while, because with the, with the number of people I see leaving, uh, especially from amongst uh, uh, not just my company, but a lot of the expats. At what point does the compensation or remuneration that you receive at your current company match, equal, or drop below what you could do either on your own or for another company outside of the country? I've talked about this before, uh, and it's, it's a, you know sort of a, a common question, I guess you could say, is like how long should you stay in one job? And I made reference to this one guy on Twitter saying that you should uh, jump jobs and change jobs every three to five years, sort of thing, to sort of keep yourself um, to keep like, to, to move up the the um, pay ladder, basically, basically the pay scale. Uh, it also I found that by changing jobs every now and then. It keeps things fresh, so you don't stagnate in terms of getting too comfortable with um, not only just your job. I've also found that it gets you away from the, is it the bitterness, the crotchetiness, the crankiness, the, uh, what do you, curmudgeonliness? Oh, there's another word that I'm looking for uh, where, uh, you know, you're kind of like, I've seen this all before. This is nothing new. You know, the you know the company's screwing us over, and you're going, well, the company's just kind of doing what it's doing to survive. And to say that any company has stayed the same or will stay the same over any ten year period, which, going by the idea of jumping jobs every three to five years, ten years in a business life cycle is three intakes of new employees, probably four to tell you the truth. Uh, like it's either three or two, anywhere between two to four intakes of personnel. So looking at a company from that way, you kind of go, wow, okay, so the company keeps moving because 
the people keep leaving. <laughs> right, that's number one. The employees keep on jumping ship <laughs> to increase their own earning potential. And the company themselves are going, well, okay, can we make this any better so we don't have to deal with such a turnover, right? And that's, that's, don't, don't mistake that the companies think this, right? They, they, they are running the numbers too, and they're running the numbers that are going into your bank account, and your bank account can be determined by your employer, or it cannot be by you taking these sort of proactive steps. Now, who are the people who stick around in one job forever? I don't know. I mean... I'm a, I can't even count the number of jobs I'm on right now. If you count, I just can't. I, I can barely even count the number of countries I've been to anymore. Uh, I can count how many I've worked in, probably four, five, that, even that. I can't remember to tell you the truth. Uh, so it's when I, you're taking that 10 year, that five to 10 year plan that uh, I, you've probably heard about it before, you know, make, make your five year, your 10 year plan as an employee. Is that three jobs? Is actually that that'd be four jobs, right? Three jobs and three years in each job. So that means by year number ten, you're starting the fourth job. That's how much turnover you're expecting to do in the next ten years, maybe even five. Okay, but the, so after five, after ten years, if you're going to change jobs every five years, then you're starting your third job at the end of that decade. That's insane. So you think of with these companies. They're taking in the, into this account, uh, into this um, this into account, and you know, kind of trying to get a feel for the own their own sort of lay of the land. How are things going to turn out? How the how many steps and how much effort do they actually have to put in to retain you or retain personnel? Especially if it's like a mucky muck job where you know, it's not even very skilled. It might seem like it's skilled, but Honestly, I mean, what are you doing? Has your job changed at all? And in what way? I mean, how has it changed over the years? Right, so this gets me thinking. Uh, in terms of traveling and going and watching this documentary that where they're, they're filming in places like Ghana and uh, Accra, New York. Oh, she's traveling all over the world, you know, tracking down these uh, very interesting stories. And I'm looking at these, they have these drone shots of Ghana, of Accra, Ghana. I'm going, you know, I remember making that decision i have the the travel book the lonely planet book of for west africa here with me because that was uh not just ghana but all of west africa i was going to go try to travel through before i decided to come to china and by sorry not before instead of going instead of making the effort to go to china i was going to go to west africa now i didn't because i was <laughs> In looking at the uh, the guidebook and reading up on West Africa, it was going to be expensive. It was going to be dangerous. Like all the borders, like I want to travel overland through West Africa. Basically, every chapter says banditry is rampant. Uh, you can uh, get held for ransom, you know, kidnappings, muggings. You name you name it. All the the wonderful bad sides of traveling and basically living happen in West Africa. Making the choice was, I mean, I, I can't say it was easy, but it was one of those sort of reality checks. I'm like, do I really want to put myself through that? Uh, for what? Like, what sort of adventure would it be? Or can I put this off and come back to it later on when I would, could either feel more safe or maybe, you know, situations changed? The situation has not changed. <laughs> instead, I made the, the moves to, to come to China instead. And so that's that's sort of played out over the last uh, decade, during which I've changed jobs, jobs twice. Right, so it's one, two jobs, uh, so it's you know, 
I'm looking at that going over 10 years. Now is the time to switch it up again. And then this question of like the job that I'm doing now, would I make more money as a consultant within China? Or would I make more money as a consultant online outside of China? There's the number you're running. The company knows this. At least they should. And if you're not running these numbers, maybe you should. At what point does that number flip? Because right now, for the last three years, it's been sort of just staying in China, in COVID China, China, whatever. doesn't matter. Stay put. Because it's, although it was rocky, there were some things that were still going just enough. Now, the ESL landscape has changed substantially in the last three years, mostly because primary markets such as China and the overseas ESL teaching market, like all over the world, got hit. China got hit especially because the government put in some uh, education policies where they cracked down on the private tutoring sector uh, and uh, all that sort of like, uh, if you were teaching on the side, outside of your visa, it, was, it just became a lot more dicey, not just for the foreigners, but also for the Chinese people running those businesses that were employing people to do those jobs, right? So like in, in China, there's two or three big chain schools that sort of used to deal with a lot of that stuff that would offer extra tutoring services uh, uh, to their clientele. The problem was that a lot of that was sort of uh, above and beyond a lot of visa expectations or visa requirements or restrictions, whatever you call them. So, uh, but that's all been kiboshed. It's all gone. And not only that, the government has put in steps to sort of quell the uh, the the presence of online teaching. So the, China went through this, this stage of where they were um, hiring people to teach English in like sort of practical means by way of like, oh, well, you can teach basketball in English, you know, and that's sort of like that. Or you can teach house cleaning in English. So that sort of had its its day in the sun. Uh, and uh, now then there was like sort of online because it wasn't so easy to... Uh, um, I wouldn't say it's not so easy to police. It just, it, it, it was hard to track. And now they've sort of said, well, no, 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 you, you can't even do that. If we catch you doing that, uh, it's a, it's bad times uh, for you. All that kind of points to is like, well, then is it worth being in the country if it's going to be so restrictive, at least for the ESL industry? Now, I think it's been pretty clear over the last six to 12 months, uh, China has been shifting focus from you know, having rampant foreigners all over the place teaching English, it's now looking at much more uh, targeted, like a science-based. It's looking for a lot of mathematicians. It's looking for prize winners, like Nobel Prize winners. And it's like if you won an award, an internationally won, uh, recognized award, China will pay you scads of cash to come here, basically. So there are opportunities there. Uh, the latest one I was sort of uh, reading about uh, on, on, on the Twitter is that if you sort of were the bridge between either China and the world or the world in China, the world in China is more difficult, but if you were to establish something between like introducing a uh, uh, China to a foreign product or a foreign market that it isn't currently really serving or isn't serving very well, my idea was Vegemite. There isn't a very uh, big Vegemite market here, but I just kind of wonder, you know, if there was one product that just pops into mind that people would be sort of repulsed by, but then if they gave it a shot, they might come around because there's actually a, 
um, I'm not sure what it's called. I forget the name. It's Wang Zhe or something. It's a, a very salty uh, spread that ch- China, that Chinese breakfasts can have particularly, where was it? In the South we were having it? Uh, it was one of these trips, I remember. Uh, no, it was just around here, right around Beijing. It was on the outskirts, like in the going up to one of the uh, um, parts of, of the Great Wall where there's something very similar to Vegemite. It's not the same thing. It's not, I'm not sure if it's exactly yeast extract or whatever it is, uh, but um, a very similar flavor profile. I'm thinking, you know, if you swing the Vegemite, the vitamin Bs, you know, especially given that China loves to have some beers every now and then, you know, it's good for you, it's healthy, it's natural. I just see the the market for Vegemite huge. Anyway, so the, the point is, is that there are these opportunities here where, if you are the broker, not so much, maybe not even so, so much the broker, but the connector, and I don't know, influencer, social media influencer. If maybe if you're on Douyin or YouTube, uh, in, speaking in Chinese, praising Vegemite, you might get some uh, uh, some sponsors or some clicks or some you know affiliate marketing opportunities, right? Something like that. Feel free to take the idea. <laughs> Try it out. Let me know if you make a million dollars. Send me a thank you card. How's that? Uh, it used to be that uh, Twitter was the place to go to get all depressed uh, and uh, all sort of like, oof, I don't, humanity seems to be really bad. Okay, or more like, I'm going to turn off the internet now because this is not good. But this Chinese, these expat rags have been uh, going on lately. There just has been a, uh, a flurry of some news. Like, I'm looking at this one. Not just the China authorities declared decisive victory, but there's this woman who got cut up by her husband. Uh, This is followed by the woman who got stabbed to death in a shopping mall, and that was caught on camera. Um, What else? There was, I mean, there's one kid who, uh, he's been missing for three months. They found him outside the school. Uh, He wasn't alive anymore. I mean, just... All this really terrible, horrible stuff that... Uh, why why are they reporting this in these expat magazines? Now, of course, I guess the question becomes, like, as an expat, do you want to hear about this stuff? Do you want to be aware of what's going on? Because no doubt your, your, your girlfriend or your wife uh, or your Chinese friends know about it, right? Because, uh, what was it, uh, CCTV 13... Is the uh, the live news not the live? It's the twenty four twenty four seven news channel here in China. Well, I call it the violence channel because all it shows is like bus accidents, brawls, uh, police uh, altercations with people. Actually, not so much the police; it's the pe- people getting into altercations and the police having to get involved. Things like that. Um, not exactly the nicest things to to see, but. There's been sort of a rise in this. It's much more apparent than it was two or three years ago. It's very bizarre. And coupled with this this documentary that I'm watching, Trafficked, by by Mariana Van Zeller, which is a fantastic documentary, it really kind of makes me go, why does anyone want to travel? It actually worries me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I talked about traveling and, uh, you know, is backpacking still a thing? Uh, do you even want to go teaching ESL anywhere else can you even I these two things are making me go I kind of like just not having my life threatened because and this has China made me soft has COVID made me soft despite all of my training 
You know, I run all these miles and I eat all this broccoli, not as much as I used to. Uh, but, uh, you know, don't drink so much anymore. No, just, I don't, I haven't stopped drinking. I just don't drink as much. Non-alcoholic beers instead of the alcoholic beers. Like, has it made me soft be living in this apartment for the last three years? Is it four years? Three years. How long has been COVID going on? I don't know. Three years. Not moving. Basically living on the compound. Walking around in circles. Like literally, if you were to sort of define the last three years, I have been walking around in circles. That's it. Sitting, sitting in front of computer screens, talking to myself, asking myself why, and walking around in circles. The story of my life. That, is that the... Uh, why circles? Could that be the title of my book? What, a circle? What? A circular question. Why? Why the circular question? Yeah, good question. I, <laughs> why? <laughs> oh, story of my life in China so far. Anyway, I am planning this uh, trip to Hong Kong. Uh, I was wondering if whether or not Shenzhen was going to be worth the stop. Uh, seems I met the, some other foreigners on the compound. They're like, "Oh yeah, you should go to Shenzhen. It's a nice city." I'm asking some other people, you know, is Shenzhen worth it? And they're like, well, I guess if you like seeing another Chinese city, yeah, you can. Uh, not entirely. Uh, you, you don't need to see it sort of thing if you li if you live in Beijing. It's not the same as Beijing, but it's also not so different from Beijing. We'll see how that goes. Uh, anyway, as, uh, yeah, now my phone's telling me I'm running out of space again. <sighs> All right, so I got to got to find that one file that I tried to export one of these files, these video files, and it took up like 24 gigs, but I can't find it on my phone. So now I got to go clean it off and some, some other way. I got to delete some stuff. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to me uh, ask myself why and debating the, uh, the goods, the pros and cons of living in China throughout the COVID, whatever it was, debacle, uh, circular, whys and stuff. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Drop me a line if, uh, there's anything I can help you out with if you need any sort of more business ideas for China. I got lots of ideas, but very short on execution. Plus, I've got my different uh, sort of um, avenues anyway. Notably, my language vlog. If you want to have a look at that, also big cast number episode number thirty-seven, also up. Just posted that up on uh, on Tuesday, so you can have a listen to that. All of that is available on my website, stevenstrzyski.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Have a good one. Bye bye.